cannot do that. You cannot give this guy what he wants. We are talking about the safety of the President of the United States. We're talking about a hell of a lot more than that, sir. Hello, friends. It's uh, now. I think this would be episode twenty-nine. It's episode twenty-nine. Your your double subscription show for the week. And joining us for this show, we have very special guest Sam Chris. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> we are not going to be talking about Hegel. We're not going to be talking about Lacan. Actually, we probably are. I can't guarantee that. <laughs> we probably are. But what we're really talking about is um, the uh, incredibly shitty Gerald Butler action film, London Has Fallen. We're talking with our, our official London correspondent, Sam Chris. Yeah, I'm a real-life Londoner, born and bred, uh, and I love nothing more than to see my own city being destroyed by weirdo terrorists. <laughs> also joining me, as always, is Felix Speederman. Hey, everybody. And Matt Chrisman. Hello, mates. Uh, I just want to say to all the people that are turning in, uh, all the trolls, all the people, uh, you, you, don't, you guys don't fucking get... In a thousand years, going to be gone. <laughs> oh, our premium episodes are still going to be here. Felix is, of course, making reference to uh, the climax of the film uh, London Has Fallen. And, In more and, ways and than one, because I know that I also climaxed. I came very myself. There were there were several moments of um, climax for me in this movie. Several several cleanup moments, I'll call them, uh, during <laughs> London Has Fallen. I'm just, yeah, just I'm glad I didn't see it in the theater. That's all. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, it, look, if I saw London Has Fallen in the theater, I would have needed a tarp. <laughs> all I'm saying. The people sitting in front of me, it would have been like a Gallagher concert for them. <laughs> I mean, I, I did actually see London Has Fallen in the cinema with uh, shout out to my friend Anna. We went and got fucking obliterated afterwards because uh, of the sheer kind of stink of awfulness that the film conjured. But that could also have been come. <laughs> <laughs> okay, London Has Fallen is an awful film, but I also think it's kind of a great film. Um, maybe maybe we'll disagree. I don't know. But uh, for reference, let, let's set this up here. London Has Fallen is the sequel to the 2013 film Olympus Has Fallen. With all due respect, I'm the best hope you've got. Olympus Has Fallen came out in uh, 2013. It was directed by Antoine Fuqua and starred Jared Butler as Secret Service agent Mike Banning who has to like, you know, he's basically in the in the Bruce Willis, uh, the, the John McClane, except he's in the White House and North Korean terrorists have taken it over and taken the president hostage. And he's alone. He's the only man left after the rest of the Secret Service has been blown the fuck away. Um, and he saves the president. In the sequel, I don't think anyone asked for, uh, he travels with Pre uh, Aaron Eckhart's uh, President Asher uh, to London uh, to attend the uh, funeral of the British Prime Minister. And wouldn't you know it, they're attacked by terrorists again, and he's the only man that can uh, get the job done. Uh, all right, so I want to set up the relationship between uh, uh, Gerard Butler and Aaron Eckhart in this film. Um, 
the writer of this movie, he was held in captivity for the first 25 years of his life, and he was only allowed to watch, like, B episodes of Miami Vice and uh, more forgotten Arnold movies like Eraser. So every time they're supposed to set up the president and uh, Jared Butler's relationship, uh, it's like they're doing some masculine, masculine activity, like they're in the gym or they're drinking beer. And the president's like, ah, how do you how do you do it, Banner? Uh, <laughs> what did they make you out of? Yeah, what are you what are you made out of? And then Gerard Butler, about them poor choices. This is literally a line <laughs> in the movie. But, uh, yeah, no, he, he, he's a he's a bourbon bastard. He's a true bourbon bastard because every time Gerard Butler bests the president, he's like, uh, why don't you uh, go call your boyfriend, faggot? <laughs> it's, it's like they're supposed to do this like homophobic taunting, but it's it, there's never an actual joke. It's just like the president's top protective agents repeatedly calling him a homosexual. Yeah, both both of the screenplays, both Olympus has fallen and London has fallen. It feels like every time they interact, the script says witty banter here, and they forget <laughs> to add it. And then on the set, they're like, they got to shoot that that scene and they're like oh fuck we forgot to write anything you guys just improv because that's what I imagine Aaron Eckhart and Gerard Butler would come up with on the fly like the president will go uh, the, uh, we gotta get out of the gym agent banner I have to sign a bill and Gerard Butler his Scottish accent slightly slipping will go uh, what the bill are you signing into law the bill where you get married to your boyfriend <laughs> I think my favorite line of dialogue in the film is a bit where they're uh, like tearing through a city street in London, crash into a terrorist, and his head just kind of breaks through the window into the car. Yes. And he screams, fuck you. And then the guy just screams, fuck me? No, fuck you. Like, that's the kind of intellectual <laughs> level that the film is on. They couldn't like, even come up with like some kind of James Bond, well, I guess he got fucked kind of dialogue. It's just, no, fuck you. Fuck everything. Uh, he should have been wearing a helmet. Um, yeah, no, as, uh, as, as Sam is referencing, like this movie, and, and Sam and Felix are referencing, this movie is sort of a, a throwback uh, to the '80s action canon. But the, stupider. The That's but the it's thing. So d- it's dumber than those movies even were. It's the yeah, fucking dumbest dumber. film I've ever seen in my life. I think it's the dumbest film as possible oh, to make. It's the stupidest it's a, thing ever. It's aggressively stupid in a way that none of those movies were. Like, took it something that's objectively dumb, like Commando. Commando still has moments that are, have wit in them. Like, Sully, remember when I told you I'd kill you last? I lied. Or when he throws the fucking uh, steam pipe through the bad guy and goes, let off some steam, Bennett. If this movie had had that same scene, he would have thrown the pipe at him and been like, yeah, fuck you. And also, also there was like like the villain in Commando is at least kind of interesting. He was like this fat guy wearing a mesh shirt. Yeah, the weird like, fey Australian. Yeah. yeah. But all, also, all, let's not also forget he has a dog collar that he's wearing mm-hmm. in Commando as well. He's definitely a daddy dom, but uh, <laughs> in, in in all the has fallen movies, the villain is always like. Uh, like in the first movie, it's like just this soulless North Korean twenty. He's like the he's like the ultra ambitious lanyard wear of North Korea, because he becomes the top terrorist agent. In this movie, it's like an evil Pakistani. But in both movies, their entire character is like, I just I, I hate America. I, I, I hate I hate Western civilization. Moreover, in this one, 
you know, uh, so like like we described, this movie is trying to be like sort of a throwback to the the eighties action formula of sort of balls to the wall, bourbon bastard, jingoistic, um, shoot 'em up, but it fails in multiple levels. Uh, chief among them is the complete failure uh, in the relationship between Gerard Butler, Agent Smike Banning, and the president, played by Aaron Eckhart. In a true 80s action movie, there should be way more uh, homoeroticism between them. And they, they, they try to have some in this movie, but the chemistry between Butler and Eckhart is like two pieces of dried toast being rubbed together. <laughs> it's just, you know, it, it, they, they don't pull it off. Well, I mean, I've, I've got a theory about this, but uh, I might have to save it for the close reading part at the end because well, well, uh, it's uh, a bagger. Let, let, let's get into the, the, the plot. Like I said, yeah. um, President uh, Asher is called away. You know, I had literally no idea that was his name. He's just called the president, like for every second of the film. Where's the president? <laughs> he, he is called away. Like It, it begins, uh, he has a very close relationship with uh, his Secret Service agent, um, Obviously, they went through a stressful time together, and Olympus has fallen. Uh, but at the beginning of the movie, Agent Mike Banning is pondering retirement. He has a wife at home, a child on the way, and he's going to retire after this one last mission. And the president gets called away at the drop of a hat because the British Prime Minister uh, dies um, unexpectedly. I just got to say, I love I love the stuff with. Um uh, with Gerard Butler and his wife, you know, talking about the kids, where, where like the kind of the, the subtly bitchy wife is just kind of saying, "Oh, husband, you shouldn't have put like mounted machine guns around our baby's <laughs> car because that's the only thing you care about is kind of weaponry." <laughs> like, 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 this is how you know that he's actually a good guy and not a kind of insane mass murderer. Is because he he's gonna have a kid soon, and so he's surrounding the kid with fucking high octane weapons. You know, he, he's a man that takes home security uh, and home improvement uh, very seriously because uh, he's a professional. So, um, Agent Mike Banning and um, his his true love, uh, President Asher. I called away on moments notice like this giant funeral for the British Prime Minister of which every world leader is attending. And I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking, but this would be the perfect opportunity for some kind of massive terrorist attack. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happens. And in I think my favorite this is my favorite this is my first big like cleanup sequence in the movie. My in my favorite sequence they introduce uh, five or six world leaders um, one at a time. Uh, you have uh, the Canadian Prime Minister and his wife are in a car together, sitting in traffic. You have uh, the Japanese Prime Minister, uh, also caught in traffic. You have uh, the French guy. He's on a boat for some reason and wants to wait for a little while longer. And my favorite, the Italian Prime Minister, is on the top of uh, Westminster Abbey, is it? With yeah. uh, like a 20-year-old woman, and he's uh, pl- just... Grassing her up, basically. He, he's giving her a private tour, uh, of course, um, with this beautiful young woman. So they introduce all these world leaders at uh, various landmarks around London on their way uh, to the uh, British Prime Minister's funeral, only to immediately kill them. In a <laughs> and his bomb after bomb uh, explodes all across London. Well, yeah, because London. the uh, like you know, like the the French and the Italian prime ministers, uh, you know, they they care too much about fucking to care about you know mounting machine guns on every conceivable post anywhere around them. Whereas the Japanese and Canadian ones, you know, they just like to kind of sit in cars and be relaxed and hang out. So you know, they kind of deserve to die because they're not Gerard Butler. Yeah, and and and, and like right, and right at 
right at the beginning, it, it, we get the uh, the pure fantasy of there's only America and England, our great allies, left <laughs> to confront terrorism, right? So, basically, uh, the president and Gerard Butler, they're pulling up to the funeral, and then it all goes down. And sort of similar how in Olympus Has Fallen, there, there's a scene in that movie where there's a whole bunch of tourists in front of the White House, um, the stereotypical Asian tourists just clacking away pictures. But then when they get the go code, they all just drop their cameras, pull out Uzis, and just start spraying <laughs> everybody. It ruled. In this yeah, in this it, film... What, yeah. no, go ahead. Well, yeah, but like here it's cops, you know? Like, yes, um, yes. Yeah, it, it's like kind of London policemen and they're all the terrorists. And then later on there's like some US Green Berets, but they're also like terrorists in disguise. <laughs> it's like this weird kind of fantasy where, you know, you get to shoot up cops and like our brave and heroic troops, but it's okay because they were baddies in disguise. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like they did like a sexual role-playing game with the terrorists. <laughs> like, oh, okay. What if what if you put on what if you put on a London Bobby outfit, and I spray you with a Spaz Twelve and make your body convulse with uh, automatic shotgun pellets? Oh, I forget. Best of all, the best world leader hit is the uh, the Angela Merkel character is like standing in front of Buckingham Palace watching the changing of the guards, and then out of yeah. nowhere, one of the guards just whips out the machine gun and just like lights her up. <laughs> Boom! That's what you get, bitch. That's what you get. That's what you get for allowing Berlin to fall. <laughs> That's number three, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's already fallen. She's already given it to all of them. She's given it to all the refugees. Yeah, what the fuck? Do better. <laughs> so, so th- this terrorist plot has basically been a two-year-long, a years-long effort to infiltrate probably no less than a thousand agents into the London Metropolitan Police Department, all of whom at the same time just pull out guns and just start fucking. It's a piece of cake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's uh, it's a Pakistani arms dealer, right? Like, those people infiltrate the government the whole time. But wait a second, Sam, maybe you can fill me in on this. I thought... The, I thought London police officers didn't carry guns. So where the hell are they getting all these fucking grenade launchers from? Uh, well, I'd guess I, I'd say they're getting them from the nefarious Pakistani arms dealer, which is oh, why they're right. so so easily able to overpower the normal London police who well, are yeah, armed not. with like a ruler and a bit of wood, <laughs> and they <laughs> naughty children behind the ears with them when they don't play by the rules in football. So, like, the day of the terrorist go attacks, day zero day. Like, half of the London Police Department shows up for uh, the funeral duty armed. And I'm just thinking the cops that aren't in on it, they're like, um, hey, uh, uh, why why do you have a gun today? And like, no, nah, it's, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. No, no, it's a total for me. I've got a Tesco. I'm giving it to my, child, my son after, after work, mate. Don't worry about it. If they called this movie Tesco Has Fallen and it took place entirely in a Tesco, we, we would be giving it a glowing review right now. Five stars. Oh, God. That's the greatest Crocky film ever made. Crocky terrorists have taken the chips. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, uh, as this plot un- un- unfurls, like, similar to how Olympus has fallen, a small group of North Koreans are able to uh, take the White House hostage, and, like, there's nothing that the military um, can do about it. In this film, basically the entire city of London is taken over by terrorists, and there's nothing anyone can do about it, save for the bourbon bastard himself, Mike Banning, and President Asher, who are, like, behind enemy lines now, on the run, in a city that's completely overrun by terrorists. Uh, There is a very cool action scene, I thought, at least, where they try to uh, flee in uh, the Marine One helicopters, 
but you think they're safe, right? They're like, you know, in a helicopter getting away from all the small arms fire, but no. On the rooftops of every other building in London are terrorists firing stinger missiles at the helicopters. <laughs> and they're able to evade them using some fancy flying and, and, and the flares for only a little bit. But the two escort helicopters eventually have to sacrifice themselves to save the president before um, they finally go down in, uh, I think, uh, I don't know. What's the big park in the middle of London, Sam? Uh, yeah, that would be Hyde Park. Hyde but Park. Like, um, but I kept going back a moment to, like, you know, like the initial wave of attacks. Like, what I found, okay, so, like, um, immediately afterwards, you have this shot of a newsreader going, um, you know, hundreds of people are dead in a terrorist attack, which has decimated most of the known landmarks in London, which is kind of cool. It's like saying, you know, oh, there might be some landmarks that we don't know about yet. But, I, like, actually, when you think about it, like, they hardly fucking blow up anything. Like, um, okay, like, like they destroy the Chelsea Bridge, like the least famous bridge in London. That's got the Japanese Prime Minister on it. Um, there's, like, some fight around St. Paul's Cathedral. They blow up um, Westminster Abbey, but not the House of Parliament, not Big Ben. The London Eye is fine. And then there's this scene where this kind of big telecommunications tower just suddenly explodes. And I've never fucking seen this thing in my life. It's not in London. They have a sequence in which a famous London landmark that doesn't exist is blown up. Um, and that's how much respect this film seems to have for where I've lived my entire life. Well, well they're, they're, they're setting up the sequel. Uh, Stonehenge has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of lads just pushing over one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're like, we, we, we infiltrated the park custodian program. <laughs> and they just start spraying druids. <laughs> but, um, so, like, while this is, uh, what I like, the, like, while, while the attack is going down, they're sort of, like, they, they keep cutting away to, like, their sort of, like, uh, London Central Command where they're watching all this on monitors. You know the scene in the action movie where it's like uh, like, like Houston and NASA. It's just a bunch of people on computers watching shit on monitors and they're like we've lost control, oh, bloody mate. hell. <laughs> we've lost control, <laughs> mate. It's mad, isn't it? Oh, this isn't on at all. We can't have this. <laughs> so they realize London has been completely taken over by terrorists, right? And then they get the bright idea to like, do the air raid sirens like in the Blitz. Get everyone to stay, like we're going old school. It's the one like, you know, network that the, the hackers haven't gotten into. Too. Well, so yeah, they, they, need to get, they need to get all the cops off the street, otherwise Gerard Butler is just going to kill everyone in a police <laughs> uniform he sees. <laughs> so they go, they're like, we're, we're, we're instituting martial law, like a curfew is in effect, blow those air raid sirens. And what I liked about that is it was at the point in the movie where like the director was saying, we can't afford any more extras, get all these people <laughs> off the set. <laughs> so it leaves it completely desolate for, like you said, Gerard Butler and... Uh, President Asher to shoot their way through London. So they're trying to get away from the terrorists. And what I like about this is they're like, we got to get to a safe house. We got to get to a safe house. It's the only place we'll be safe. And I was sort of thinking, well, you could just basically go anywhere and you'd be safe. There's not that many terrorists. London is a fucking enormous city. Just like go in someone's house and be like, yo, can we just, uh, <laughs> can we just camp out here until this shit blows over? And as we see, going to the safe house is the worst thing that you could do because that's what the, the traitors already know where that is. And of course, there is a traitor, obviously. And if you've seen a single motion picture in your life, you can guess who it is from the very first second that they're on screen. Yeah, he's like he might he might as well be like reading a Pakistani to English phrase book. <laughs> <laughs> Urdu, I mean, sorry, I'll do better. <laughs> so um, the the second um, I, I need to clean myself moment. Uh, there wasn't an action 
scene comes for me. It was sort of about halfway through the movie where uh, Gerard Butler and Aaron Eckhart, they have a brief moment of respite in, in the safe house where they think they're safe. And they have a, brief, a moment of sort of manly bonding and dialogue. And uh, Aaron Eckhart's president, Asher, says, uh, he like takes out his phone and he's like, Mike, you know, you're going to be a dad soon. It's the best thing in the world. You know, he's like, my boy. Oh, God, I love this man. My, my boy. You know, he's, he sends me these funny jokes on my phone every day. It's just a little thing between us. You know, maybe his mother wouldn't approve. Some of them are pretty dirty. But, you know, it's just this little thing we have. What I loved about that is, like, this is what the fuck we're fighting for against these terrorists. Memes. <laughs> Memes. And he should have been like, Agent Mike. You ever heard of that boy? Oh shit, here he come. <laughs> I, I love the bit he says afterwards where like he's giving some kind of, you know, real man-to-man advice, like when the women aren't listening so that they can be kind of like really genuine with each other. I actually wrote some of it down because it was the most kind of insipid, banal bullshit. He, he says, uh, yeah, this is what you need to teach your son. Never criticize, always encourage, and treat others as you wish to be treated. Which is, yeah, like, like this is the, the kind of ancient wisdom of the Anglo-American tradition like don't say things are bad yeah this is what we're fighting against the terrorists want the terrorists want to criticize our children (laughs) they're not special they want to take away our participation trophies (laughs) yeah there's a video the movie should start with like a video of bin laden in a cave and he's like i stand against helicopter parenting (laughs) we should we should go back to spanking kids well, well, yeah, okay. because uh, the arms dealer, he's like a good old-fashioned patriarch. He arranged his daughter's wedding as his proper, you know, because there's a lower rate of divorce, traditional values. Uh, and then in a kind of feminist movement, the uh, the Americans blow up his whole wedding with a drone strike for being problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, the te- yeah, the terrorist is like Ross Dutat. <laughs> Olympus has fallen three, the Benedict option. <laughs> Well, what did you guys think about uh, the portrayal of, of the villains in, in this movie? I thought that it was sort of savvy in, in, in a way because they were obviously um, Muslim, but they weren't too Muslim. Like if Michael Bay had directed this movie, there would have been multiple scenes of like the call to prayer and them and them bowing like in a montage of like, you know, um, people being executed or like, you know, school children mowed down. And in this movie, I thought they sort of coded the main villain as being sort of cosmopolitan. He's an arms dealer. You know, he was his motive is revenge and profit, not so much as um, uh, jihad. I don't know. Am I wrong in this? What did you guys think of the, the villains in this movie? Well, I mean, that's that's what that is sort of the 21st century Hollywood workaround of wanting to use the sort of easy villain of Islamic terrorism, but not wanting to fall in the trap of becoming, getting condemned for being racist because nobody in Hollywood wants to be racist. So you kind of gild it and it's like, yeah, he's not a terrorist. He's not ideological. He's just a guy who happens to be Pakistani and uh, sells weapons to terrorists. And that's why he's bad. And then he wants to destroy everybody out of revenge, personal revenge. It doesn't, it doesn't impl- implicate Islam, but it allows them to use those tropes that they know lizard-brained audiences have an instant reaction to. Yeah, but it's like, it's pretty flimsy, you know, like they just start referring to them as terrorists like, as soon as anything happens. You oh, know, yeah. Is, like, like, yeah, like yeah. what they are is mercenaries, right? Yeah, it's a classic fig leaf thing. It's like, it's enough to not yeah. get to, denounced by, you know, David Denby or whatever, but it gets the audience where you want them to be in terms of just terrified of Muslims. 
which that that is a response that audiences the the they will definitely you know have and and then you yeah can I mean like, it that. goes like full clash of civilizations yeah. at the end with oh, the God, um, yeah oh, well, right yeah, yeah you know wow. uh, yeah. so good uh, yeah you you tried to kill us for a long time but you know we're our children and our children's children you know like they're they're doing all this for the kids right for the unborn white children back home yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike Banning's <laughs> child specifically Mike Banning's kid is like that uh, the child in those white genocide memes where it's just like we're fighting for her. <laughs> A thousand yeah, years from now, our kids are going to be sending each other memes, and you're going to be gone. <laughs> New memes you'll have no idea about. You're you're still looking at lolcats in your shitty third world toilet. We're going to build a participation trophy that reaches to the moon. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is like this is the new liberal hawkishness. This is like the new Scoop Jackson innovation. Like meme happy helicopter parented children just obliterating Islam. <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about the, uh, the the climax of this movie, right? Where uh, President Asher is taken by the terrorists, and and their brilliant plan is that they're going to like execute him on on live television, like you know live stream to the world, and they're like the people in the Joint Chiefs of Staff are like watching it in the, in the panic room or whatever and they're like oh my god they're torturing him but they're really just punching him and they're like what do you think of that now president not so fucking presidential now are you and they take fucking forever to do it like, like when they've got the knife to his throat and you know they say any last words and he reads out the oath of office of the United <laughs> States president which is I'm sorry which is, a th- which is that that's a little you know uh, call out to the fans of Olympus Has Fallen which yeah. is in the original movie my favorite fucking scene in that movie is when Melissa Leo, who plays the Secretary of Defense, the North Koreans like drag her out by her hair to like execute her in front of the White House. They're dragging her out, gun to the head, and she starts just going, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. My, my, my favorite thing about this too is like the premise of them doing this. They're like, once we kill the president, everyone in the world is going to be afraid. But they forget that the universe that this movie takes place in just like every every like two years the entire cabinet of every G6 nation gets obliterated <laughs> by machine guns <laughs> like, I don't think people would be afraid of that anymore something of this magnitude it took years to plan and we had days it's a bloodbath how did they do this Mike we only have to get it right once today they got it right way more than that they're like, well, last time they killed the president, they sh- shoved a pipe bomb up his asshole and shot his body 500 times, but uh, they beheaded him on camera this time. I guess this time we have to submit to Islam. I mean, terrorism. <laughs> I they send all their death row prisoners into, like, cabinet positions because they know they won't stick around for long. But in the next one, I'm pretty sure that once they get a high-ranking figure with a gun to his head, they're just going to be like, a scout is trustworthy, brave, loyal, <laughs> friendly, well, I mean, clean, I mean, the kind, the and reverent. They're gonna get. They're gonna get the secretary of like commerce and, and stick it, stick him into a cannon. And they're gonna, like, We're gonna shoot you. They're gonna shoot you over a wall. They, they implied that the new British Prime Minister is Jeremy Clarkson, like they call him Prime Minister Clarkson, which, which kind of, which I suggest if there's a British PM dying in the next one, his last words are going to be, oh, that's a bloody good car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, 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 go- they're going to be like aiming an 
anti-air gun at him against the wall and he'll be like another thing Italian women are stupid <laughs> we're gonna find out if a McLaren can race against a bullet <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the scene where they, one of the terrorists on a motorcycle like gets clotheslined by like a, a, a steel uh, like wire and his head pops off and then it'd be like that's what you get from Japanese uh, manufacturing <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I want to talk about um, I, to, to Sam, you know, our, our London uh, correspondent. What did you think about the rather shabby portrayal of uh, the pride of the British military, uh, the SAS in this film? Yeah, I mean, like, um, like there's a bit of the beginning where they, um, you know, like when the Americans are preparing for this visit and they're just kind of looking at maps and going, Christ, it's a shit show. We're all going to die in there. But then one of them just kind of pipes up and goes, well, I mean, the Brits are world class, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Brits are world class because they don't want to, like, you know, offend America's oldest and greatest ally by pointing out just how shit we are. But um, <laughs> no, don't say that. You guys are okay. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like uh, America's kind of bumbling sidekick. You know, you, you gave us like Helmand province in Afghanistan and we kept on fucking up and so you had to take <laughs> over again. Um, but yeah, like, like there's a lot of British cops being killed in this film. Like, like more British cops are killed than I think any other type of person. Um, <laughs> you know, it's this kind of, this weird kind of subdued anger against British police that seems to be coming out, which is weird because I don't know if many Americans have had really negative experiences with, uh, you know, British bobbies with tits on their head. <laughs> but uh, but the SAS too, um, they kind of get yeah, sunned yeah. as well. And like Mike, yeah, Dunn, they keep like, on dying. He's like, "Give me that gun, I'm going in." They're like, "They're like, you what, mate? Are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> You're bloody mental, mate." Mike Banning definitely like cucks the SAS because they like they after the president gets captured uh, when the terrorists again in their brilliant plan just decide to T-bone their SUV uh, the SAS is like alright uh, you, you just need to take a load off and get on a lorry and uh, <laughs> and, and, and go and, uh, go watch Man U and he's like, listen to me, you English cocksucker. You're going to have to kill me or I'm going to rescue my friend. Yeah, he's like, uh, I, I would die for the president, so you're going to die too. And then they're just kind of faced with such kind of high T intensity. They just kind of trot along and follow him and they all get shot by terrorists. And like him and the main Scottish SAS guy are the only ones who survive, I think. Yeah, they just like they they they're the most elite military force in the UK, but they just they can't resist a forty-five-year-old man yelling at them. A guy who is technically just—he's technically, just, my, he's technically like a security part. guard. Yes, this like, is my favorite part of the Has Fallen series because it—it it turns out that like the single most elite fighting force in the universe is the Secret Service, which I'm sorry, they just arranged the schedule of the president and yeah. find hookers in the country <laughs> that he's going to be in. Uh, he yeah. waste money on Bernie Sanders, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm still pissed about that. Uh, still pissed about my, my precious tax dollars. Bernie Sanders uh, detail, and he's like, I can't stand <laughs> fucking putting my life on the line for this un-American weakling. Yeah, yeah, like, he's trying to do banter with Bernie, and he's like, hey, Bernie, uh, 
what well, after this why don't you go kiss your boyfriend on the mouth and Bernie's like what I don't get it I'm not a homosexual <laughs> what are you trying to imply every day same damn joke seriously what the hell I make you out of bourbon and poor choices you pick a name yet Oh, we were thinking Benjamin if it was a boy. Really? Hell no! <laughs> if it's a girl, maybe. Uh, oh, one bit of ban. Speaking of banner, uh, my favorite, like the only actual joke this movie attempts uh, is when they're in uh, the uh, they're in the safe house and Banning has the bad guys are coming and Banning has put the president in another room. Well, he fights them all, and it's down to the last one, and it's like, oh, no, he's going to get hurt. But then the president comes out and shoots the bad guy, and Banning goes, I was wondering when you were going to come out of the closet. Yes. Yeah, hell yeah, baby. <laughs> yes. My, 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 uh, I want to go back a little bit to what Will said about the Secret Service being the only elite fighting force on Earth. But that it's not even that. It's like the Secret Service are all scrubs because they're the first ones to die. Every time they see like a tourist with a machine gun bulging out of their windbreaker, they're like, I guess this is normal, and they just get fucking owned. But it just, it's one guy. No, it's, it's only one guy, and he, he can't retire. If he retires, like, the president is going to go do a photo op at, like, a fish refinery. And guys are going to pull out katanas out of smallmouth bass and just fucking own him. Filet unless him. Banning is there. Well, yeah, no, you're right. It really is only just Agent Mike Banning who knows what he's doing. Because in the original, Olympus has fallen. The entire Secret Service detail of the White House. They're, like, the uh, basically the Philadelphia Police Department of this movie. There's a scene where... Uh, like they're they're all running out onto the White House lawn, and the North Koreans just like open up, slide open the door of a van, and just whip out a fifty cal, and just like in one scene, just like do 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 do, just waste like forty Secret Service guys. It ruled. Yeah, the Secret Service guys have no answer for being shot at. They just they like run into the bullets. <laughs> their only their only response when shot at is like, duh, I guess we have to intercept those bullets. Except well, I mean, for ban- banning. Yeah, the, the thesis basically is that you have anyone involved in a violent situation like this will die unless they have sufficient tea. And the only man <laughs> yeah, yeah. on earth, on earth, with enough tea to withstand it is banning. He's the only man. We sort of see it in the interactions. Uh, the difference between the regular agents interactions with the president and banning like banning's interactions with the president they're all very IT it's all like like every scene they're like drinking whiskey and doing bench presses and banning's like yeah it's not bad if you were a girl <laughs> and there's like another secret service agent there and the president will say something like uh, hey uh, uh, next time that we get attacked you should let banning die not really I'm just kidding <laughs> And uh, the beta Secret Service will be like, believe me, sir, uh, we don't understand banning ourselves. They don't They don't have a clever repartee. They don't call the president a pussy or a gay man. They can't come up with anything on the fly. Only banning can do it. 
Well, yeah, they, 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 they're not made of bourbon, you know, like, like um, Banning's this kind of whiskey creature who's just kind of drunk so much of it that he's, uh, he's kind of stained this kind of dark amber colour and he's just made entirely of whiskey and the kind of the water men that surround him can never really kind of, you know, alcohol floats on water, that's the important thing. By the way, it's why Jared Butler was an excellent casting for the role of Mike Banning because it looks like he's drunk a whole lot more whiskey in the intervening years between Olympus has fallen <laughs> and, and London has fallen. Like he, he looks like he's been like breaded and deep fried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks like a Scotch so, egg. Given literally that he's Scottish, that kind yeah. of makes sense. Yeah. He's, a, he's a Katsu agent. <laughs> but I want to talk about um, Felix. You said Agent Bannon cannot retire, or else basically the governments of both the United States and the United Kingdom will be not long for this world. As I said at the beginning of the movie, Banning has like already written up his resignation letter, and he's like, okay, I'm going to do this one last thing for my boy, President Asher, and he's just waiting to sign it. And at the end of the movie, uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, we forgot that he's in this movie, he plays the vice president, and I don't think he was on set with any of the other actors uh, for this movie. I think he showed up for one day. It was like uh, the Krusty the Clown scene, basically. It was like, hey, 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 I'm talking vice president. Hey, 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 we don't negotiate with terrorists. All right, are we done? Bye, I'm gone. <laughs> Morgan Freeman gets a, gets a scene at the end of this movie where he delivers this sort of monologue into the, into the camera addressing the world. Why the vice president is doing this, I have no idea. President Asher lived through this ordeal. Pre president Asher is reading Encyclopedia Dramatica with his son. <laughs> <laughs> So Morgan Freeman delivers this kind of monologue at the very end of the movie where he's like, it's a dangerous world and there are no good choices. Some people say that we should retreat from this dangerous world. That, however, is the worst thing we can do. And as he's saying this, they're like cutting away to a drone blowing up the bad guy, like the main <laughs> bad guy. He's just sitting there drinking tea in some fucking toilet in Afghanistan, or Pakistan rather, and, and, and Morgan Freeman's like, why don't you look outside, friend? And the guy looks up and he sees like the glint of a Hellfire missile before it obliterates him. But like, so Banning listens to Morgan Freeman's inspiring speech about how, you know, America needs to lead in the world and we can't retreat from our obligations as a hegemonic military superpower. And he just hits delete on that resignation letter. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, we have to keep engaging with the world. And it's like, dude, you're a Secret Service agent. Yeah. Again, you're only engaging with, like, a couple people in our government. That's it. You just travel the world. Yeah, we have a you're whole lot of it. We know that there's going to be another massive terrorist attack attempt to kill the president, like, two weeks from now. It's guaranteed <laughs> yeah. to happen. But, like, um, like, what Morgan Freeman says in that speech, he says, uh, we owe it to our children and their children to engage with the world. Like, he's setting it up as this kind of, um, like, generational racial struggle of, of like, kind of... Uh, <laughs> You know the pure white race, and then token POC like himself. Well, against it's woke, it's woke as hell that Asiatic they got. They, it's woke as hell that they got Morgan Freeman to deliver those lines. So. Yeah, <laughs> really. But, then, but but I mean, what, what this kind of is is like he's. Um, He's kind of passing on the baton. You know, this is a civilizational conflict. So, uh, so Gerard Butler's kid, I reckon, in the next film, is going to be kind of waddling out there in, in his nappies, firing round after round into, into mass terrorists and, and just kind of growing up like the father. 
Well, he'll be trained from an early age. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, because because you know his his crib is surrounded with you know security cameras and armed men ready to like twist a knife into the heart of anyone who comes near. Like a uh, you know uh, like a, a string tied to a stuffed animal that the like is attached to the uh, pin on a hand grenade as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think that accurately describes the plot. Of London has fallen, but but Sam, you, you are the master of uh, of close reading. So, what 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 is your what is your deeper meta reading of London has fallen? Well, I mean, as uh, someone who had a physical fist fight with uh, Slavoj Zizek one time, I thought I might kind of <laughs> <laughs> you know, to try and try and do a kind of general um, psychoanalytic reading of, of what's going on in this film. And um, like, like what the terrorist arm dealers, etc., et uh, are trying to do is what they really want to do is they want to take a knife and cut off the terror, uh, the president's head, um, and. You know, like uh, everyone else, everyone else who dies in the film, the whole of London, it's a kind of sideshow to this main thing, which is that the bad men want to take a knife and cut off the president's head. Um, and, and you know, like the, the president is obviously this kind of object of desire for the Gerard Butler character. You know, he, he'll do anything to protect it. But like, you know, as you guys point out, the kind of, you know, homoerotic camaraderie they have is it doesn't kind of work. It doesn't make sense. It's kind of it feels false as a relationship between two people because my reading of it is is that this is a film about castration anxiety and mm. the president in the film is not a human individual he represents Gerard Butler's penis um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's a film in which you know there's kind of uh, this foreign dangerous threatening father who's lost his own children wants to cut off Gerard Butler's dick uh, and only once he's prevented him from cutting off his dick can he go back and see his child. He needs to save the president so that he can fuck and procreate. Now you mentioned that Aaron Eckhart is just a representation of Gerard Butler's penis. I think that's excellent casting because Aaron Eckhart, that sort of divot he has in his chin is very glands-like. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude, totally. Uh, he's like the only man whose face has been circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have uh, I have a political reading on this to go along with the Freudian reading there. Uh, and you look at this movie and it has basically the same politics as most action films made in the United States. You know, a threatening foreign world, this, the, the need for virile American masculinity to combat it, blah, blah, blah. But it puts it on the surface in a way that you don't usually see. With Mike Banning's speech as he's choking out the terrorists about, in a thousand years, we'll still be here. And then the amazing juxtaposition of Morgan Freeman talking about how we need to engage with the world while a drone bomb blows up a, a fucking cafe. Uh, but it does it in a way that is singularly gross and ugly and un inelegant. Like, it has all the shit that a Michael Bay movie has, only Michael Bay movies have this brightness and speed and wit about them that kind of makes it fun. London Has Fallen is just grim and and witless and ugly the whole way through. Like, it's all very dark, it's poorly shot. Uh, like Mike Banning, when he kills bad guys, he doesn't snap the neck quickly, he doesn't shoot them. He, he tends to stab them a bunch with a knife 
And it's very hard as a viewer to really like root for somebody who's just stabbing people all the time. There's a reason that usually in movies, the guy stabbing people is the bad guy because there's something about knife violence that's very intimate and un and distasteful. But Mike Banning is like literally trying to get information out of this guy and he's like twisting a knife in his stomach back and forth. Like he's not, usually the kind of light torture that they do in these movies to try to get things out of bad guys, it's not that gruesome. So. It's like it takes everything that's implicit in American action movies and puts it to the surface in the most gross way possible. And I think it's interesting to note that this movie was not directed by an American. It was directed by an Iranian Swede named Babak Najafi. And the theory is very true. And there's two theories for me. Either he's just really shitty at directing. He doesn't know what he's doing, which is absolutely possible. And the other is that he made it shitty on purpose to make the ideological American action film grotesque and not Bay-like charming and, and smooth. Is it too early to say that Babak is the new Abbas Kurastami of uh, Iranian cinema? <laughs> <laughs> uh, time will tell. I think it's certainly something that we can discuss in the future. See what he does next. Uh, Felix, you have a final reading of the film? My reading, uh, yeah, look, some people take the uh, extremely sexual approach, such as our friend Sam. Some people take the extremely political approach, such as our friend Matt. But my reading is a little bit, you know, shout out to Ron Fournier. Both sides do it. The truth is in the middle. Um, okay. So, uh, the forces of Islam, I mean terrorism, are descending upon the West. They poisoned the beta, like, Tory or uh, Labour third-way prime minister, and no one knows, and he has to be replaced Jeremy Clarkson, <laughs> who is going to use his first address to Parliament to talk about how much he fucking hates Polish people. <laughs> the president who, like, reifies his commitment to America by making these speeches where he's like, a tragedy befell us, but we cannot forget that we wrote the Constitution. <laughs> and people applaud like it's miracle shit. They represent the West, but the West is reified by its acceptance of pluralism, represented by when Agent Rex Banner. Rex, ba Rex Banner. This isn't a very happy birthday for Rex Banner. <laughs> uh, calls the leader of the free world a homo repeatedly. <laughs> Contrast, contrast with Islam, where no one is allowed to be gay. In fact, the hacker you see in the wheelchair was crippled because they found him searching for gay websites. <laughs> made him be a hacker for Al-Qaeda, and he had to immolate himself to try to kill the forces of acceptable militaristic pluralism in the president and Agent Rex Banner. <laughs> In the future, in the future, uh, Vice President Morgan Freeman makes a speech where he's like, we cannot allow Islam to take over the world. We need to be friends with everybody, and if need be, murder fucking everybody. As seen by the scene with the drone strike, where they're like, uh, they, of course, one of the VOs is like... Uh, uh, zero in, one niner, we got zero civilians around here, uh, we're only gonna kill good targets. 
<laughs> but you can assume that because the movie sort of starts with an arranged marriage, the head terrorist just got off the phone telling his gay son he has to get married. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my final reading of the movie is not my own reading. I'm just going to do a reading. Uh, this is a, a user review from IMDb that I found for London Has Fallen that I think is uh, quite good. This is a, a one-star review. Uh, the title of this is, What is this? A Trailer <laughs> Movies? It's by Jim McBakery from Australia. He writes of London Has Fallen. First of all, this movie, far, far away from realism. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I would not say that at all. I, I meant... Well, I, one- I mean, to, to be Lacanian here, it, it expresses the real of the American side. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. McBakery continues, uh, I meant one person, the U.S. Secret Service, against hundreds of people with AK-47 RPG machine guns. That's made me laugh. <laughs> so they killed the Queen of England? Their armies betrayed the countries? And where is the England army? Not showed up at all in this movie. This movie, I think, wants to send message to all people in the world. The United States is a superpower country, blah, blah, blah. Rambo is still better than this movie. Well, when I watched this movie, I was understand straight to the point. One man, one hero, live happily after ever and rich, lol. England has fallen and U.S. saved it only by one person, and England can't do anything for their countries. This movie really a propaganda and underestimated other countries, England, Japan, France, Italy. As we saw the movie, Italy Prime Minister enjoyed the view with girl, younger woman, and ick, died. The France lazy person and Japanese who produces nice car but got jammed in traffic. Oh man, this movie insulted. Oh man, this movie insulted other nation. I'm not saying it. It movie tells us this is bad movies. You know that is about the level of grammar I would expect from the good people of Australia. Uh, Matt, 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 Jim McBakery is no Jim McBakery is Matt V Brady's uh, username on yeah. IMDb. <laughs> it's piss, mate. It's, it's it's bloody piss. This film. It is, but it's a really succinct uh, deconstruction of every technical aspect that is wrong with the movie. <laughs> it, the grammar is bad, but the the thoughts are not. So that's London Has Fallen. But uh, before we let you go, Sam, I just want to ask you real quickly. Uh, I know I know you saw that your boy Zizek laid down oh, some man. knowledge on, on trans issues. Hell yeah. Oh, man. See now, <laughs> when, when, when I face the bathroom, I do not know which door to go in. I claim the dialectic demands a third door. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wish I were a joke, but that's actually, I, I tried to do a joke. That's, well, what, that's what he fucking says. Well, Sam, I, my, 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 my friend in contacted me from the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> no, when, no, when I look at toilet, I do not, do I put head in? Do I put genitals in? Uh, it, it is very confusing time for me. Uh, I, I, I claim this is the essence of the dialect. <laughs> now, Sam, when, when we saw yesterday, it started trending, Slavo Zizek on trans, I know uh, Felix, Matt, and myself got immediately excited because we misread it as Zizek on trains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the broken machinations of the Otis elevator. <laughs> when, when, when I dream of the train, it is not the train I am dreaming of, but the experience of riding it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Sam, do you, do you have a response to, to Zizek on uh, trans bathrooms? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to have to be uh, quite serious about this for about 20 seconds. But like, That's okay. Um, like, there was a recent talk he did in London at the Royal Festival Hall to promote his new book, uh, Against a Double Blackmail, uh, which was on the European migrant crisis, uh, and which he and I have been kind of duking it out with essays in various publications for a couple of months now, which ended with him saying that uh, what I was saying was such a, case, such a case of slander, pure and simple, that any minimally rational debate becomes impossible. So, I mean, it's good to see Zizek turn into a logic guy um, <laughs> but um, but yeah in the talk he hardly ever mentioned the migrants and he was talking entirely about trans people and bathrooms for the entire time uh, which is this very bizarre new uh, new thing he has um, but what's really noticeable is that what he's completely abandoned there is any attempt at providing a kind of new radical kind of left-wing innovative approach to these issues like like if you if you read the piece what what he's literally saying is like the most kind of shitty degraded kind of idiot dumb fuck conservative response to this he's he like if, goes, if this keeps going we'll be fucking german shepherds in a few years yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> he goes like hey, what was to stop me marrying my my dog um which my god he, 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 uh, my dog is better than my wife the bitch i mean i'm gonna have to go back and read through it more closely to point out like, like you know like Lacan was not like a particularly politically radical thinker even though he claimed to be a Marxist but you know he can make Marxist uses of Lacan um, but for but what Zizek's doing uh, well it's a kind of critique that I leveled at him earlier like he'll kind of bandy around words and phrases from psychoanalysis and, and from theory in general but when it comes down to it when he actually wants to make his proper point it's always something incredibly conservative and just really fucking stupid I can't so wait for one to see him on stage with Ted Cruz in the next couple of years <laughs> and some rally I mean, to keep the bathrooms that, there's a photo of um I can't remember who the third guy is. Maybe Tim Stanley, who's a bowtie dipshit from the Telegraph, uh, but who who said that I have a fine turn of phrase in one of his articles. But it's him, Slavoj Zizek, and Nigel Farage just kind of standing around grinning in the green room before a TV interview. So uh, that's probably not far off. Slavov is going to speak at David French's uh, Bathroom Con 2016. <laughs> But did you know, uh, my friend Ted, uh, he talked to Obama and he say, if you like your job and so on, uh, you, may, you may keep uh, this job. I mean, I mean, when you kind of think about it, what is emailing someone's wife but the kind of castrating function of the order of the symbolic? When the wife, when the wife goes on Facebook, it is where she sees phantoms of boyfriend's past. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to go on tour with Larry the Cable Guy and Jeff Dunham and just that go would like be awesome. Yeah, just be like, who's here? Who is ready to get her done? <laughs> As Mark said, the point is to not complain, but to do. <laughs> okay, Sam, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking uh, London has fallen. Uh, would you please come back and talk to us about trains or elevators sometime? Uh, I, will, I will talk about any kind of machinery where there's like 300 different types that I can name and categorize. I'd like wait, that. wait, 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 wait. I am not letting Sam back on if he endorses Tyson Krupp. No way. No how. <laughs> Otis. This is an Otis show. <laughs> 
I think that about does it for us. And uh, London has fallen, folks. Till next time, see you later. Bye-bye. Peace. Bye. I'm here. Bacali. Number six on the ten list. This man is responsible for more deaths than the plague. Sells arms to every failed state in the world. Has a vast array of connections. Terrorists, mercenaries, corporations. Mr. Vice President, it's Bacali. Put him through. I thought you would have learned a lesson by now about crawling out of your hole. Never lifted a finger against you. You armed those who have. I sold triggers, Mr. Trumbo, just like you. What do you want? Your president. You can end this right now. Just hand him over. That's not going to happen then every death from this moment forward will be on your head.